You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. Everybody, welcome back to the Hunter's Advantage podcast. I'm Christian Babcock, your host, and I'm joined by Jacoby um, Deerslayer Gaylord. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is episode 102. Today, we're going to be continuing our Public Land 101 mini series, and today we're going to be talking about boots on the ground scouting. But we're back on the podcast after a dude, probably about a two and a half week sabbatical. How's it going, Jacoby? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm glad to be back on here. Why do we take such a long break from the podcast? We we the listeners deserve to know. Well, you had to go like to Mexico, I think, for your uh, no, it was Wyoming for your brokeback uh, mountain <laughs> excavation, wasn't it? Me and my husband. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. No, I took Lauren on a three year anniversary trip to New Mexico. I will say, um, I immediately noticed the difference when I was in New Mexico and I got out. It felt like it was hot, but it was dry. So you're like, this is bearable. And then had that dry heat. It's the dry heat, and it's it's totally a thing because I get out in Snyder in Oklahoma, and the first step I take out of the car, it feels like I dropped into a can of syrup or like a bottle of syrup. I was just like, I'm sticky. It was. Uh, was It's Oklahoma's disgusting in the summer. It really is. It's unbearable, and the reel feels like it was like 108 or something like that when we were on the lake. I got burnt so bad. My back looks like a Dorito. <laughs> huh. Bad. Dude, I did noodle. I noodled my first fish this weekend too, though. In Snyder? In Snyder. They got a lake? They, you know, even the desert climate, they do end up having some water. That's crazy. I caught about a 12 to a 14 pound flathead. Oh, tore, really? Tore did me you, up. With Jake's dad or what? Uh, Jake and Jack took us and Grady and Tanner and we went everybody. Jake's new girlfriend was. Up. Oh, he had a girlfriend. What? I guess. Is she from Snyder? No, she's from California, but California? she lives. She lives in Waco. Okay. How, how far is Waco from uh, Snyder? About five hours, I think. Five hours. Huh? So, yeah, we were up there and I yeah, brought, I I brought Lauren. And uh, Waco, too, I guess. huh? You said what? I said, I guess the slim pickings in Waco too, huh? Dude, there's slim pickings all around <laughs> right now. No, I'm messing. If uh, no one knows Jake Ayers, you can't look him up on social media because he doesn't have social media, but he is one of the most attractive and Adonis things I've I've ever I've ever met. Looks like one of those Greek god statues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, about. And he's and he's just a pretty looking dude too, so it's just annoying. Not, he's got all the attributes. So I mean, yeah, I, maybe after this podcast, uh, yeah. His Waco chick is going to have a runner for, for her money. If there's any huntresses, don't hit up, don't hit them up. Well, you won't have yeah. anywhere to find them, so it doesn't matter. No, um, DM one but, of us. We'll slide you his number. Facts. Five bucks. So we've already talked about um, public land hunting ethics, checking rules and regs, and then we talked about e scouting, and we've actually got some feedback from people. We got a few Instagram messages, and then a. Um, some Facebook messages as well that you guys are enjoying the Public Land 101 mini series. So we're trying to wrap it up strong, talking about our favorite subject out of all of them, which is boots on the ground scouting, or as I like to call it, controlled suffering. Is yeah, let's say is that really our favorite thing to do? Boots on the ground. 
because my... you just got done talking about how how syrupy Oklahoma is, and all of a sudden you're just like, yeah, let's get out in it and let's go walk eight miles. It's like, mm, is it fun? No. Is it worth it's, it? It's the most fun one to sit on the couch after you're sunburnt and tired, and you're like, mm, those can... cameras are still at work. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Wait, wait, so, so if it's been two and a half weeks, have uh, have we told them how our Kansas thing went? Or I guess we can kind of wrap that in the boots on the ground. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about that though. We should talk mm-hmm. about that before we get into the the series. We went to we've done a lot since since we've had had a podcast episode. We went to Kansas and did our scouting for for the summer. Since I live so far away, and you know you don't got to convince Carol to not go out scouting very many times. It was <laughs> it was pretty easy to say, yeah. hey, we're just going to make one trip to Kansas and get all our scouting in on one day, and and we did it. How'd it go though? In your mind, I think it went pretty well. Like on a scale of one to ten, I think it was like a seven. Like we didn't do horrible, but we didn't do just absolutely great. I think we have like one, maybe two spots that are just like one for sure. That's that. That's just a solid ten out of ten. The other one, I would consider it like a seven. And then after that, it just kind of decreases, right? Like almost everywhere we checked out, like had good sign and stuff like that. But it was either you know pretty close to the road, or it was just kind of just a, a crapshoot just to get to. So, I mean. For the for the amount of time we spent up there, I think we did fairly well, but we'll just have to see. I think it plays really good into our e-scouting episode that we did because Kansas is one of those places since it's like big ag or a lot of the states big ag. Um, it just makes it makes the properties a lot smaller than they actually are. You know, when seventy percent of them are just the field. Yeah. And so then you go look, and then some, one place might be so thick you can barely stick your arm in the woods. And you're like, all right, well, there goes another hundred acres, and it's just like it gets really small, really quick. Really x off, yeah, unnecessary parts, yeah, for sure. And that's the one thing that worries me is like a lot of the places that we hunt, other than Kansas and Oklahoma, you look at them on the map and you're like, man, that doesn't look like crap. Like you look at the spots uh, we picked in Kansas, and I'm like, well, it looks good, it is good. Is someone else going to figure that out too? And I'm sure there will be. I'm yeah. just hoping that when we're there, it's not That's the case. We could we could go back up there every weekend until it opens, but it really wouldn't change a thing just because we don't know the pressure that's going to be there, right? So, like, like I guess that's what this whole episode's about is getting boots on the ground. But then again, like, you got to take with a grain of salt, right? Like, it's kind of like the map scouting. Like, you can do so much map scouting, but it might not turn out, you know, once you have to go look at it. It could be the same here. Like, there could be a great sign, all this stuff. But if there's a lot of pressure there, that sign's probably not going to be there uh come fall right so i mean is it good to know yes but it still might not do you any good no and i feel like our success has gotten so much better the more like repetitive years we've spent on some of the public pieces in oklahoma Mm -hmm. and that's just not something that you're going to learn in one year like you just at at the end of this fall we still might not know that much about this piece and and that's all right i hope we do (laughs) <laughs> I hope we know like the easiest way to drag out the deer from that spot. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those wait and see sort of things. It, it, you know, when you get pictures on like your private, you're like, Oh, that deer is possibly going to be there. You know, as long as no one poaches or the neighbor's not an idiot on public, you just don't know. I think we put ourselves in the, in the chips and then God's just going to choose how they fall. Basically. I mean, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. You think we got a better shot at Kansas or, uh, 
the Oklahoma piece for a big one. A big one. I I always feel confident in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I, I really I I do just based on our our history there. It, it kind of just feels like in Oklahoma, like I'm going to get my chance. Am I going to take the opportunity? Am I going to make the most of it? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just two completely different, different places, but I don't know. I'm excited. I'm freaking pumped. Me too. Especially now that we're knocking off a lot of the summer work. I feel like the summer is getting drained, like eaten up so fast. Dude, like, it's already, it's already mid July. Like <laughs> that's crazy. That's scary. That's scary, and we, and we haven't even put cameras out on that other piece yet. No, we got. I mean, I got all my private taken care of, and then we got Kansas taken care of, and so it, once we get these cameras out in early August on in Oklahoma, ooh, I'm gonna be like like a pig in crap. I'm just well, gonna be happy. It'd be like, yo, you know, we'll be super excited, but then again, we won't. It'll only be like a month and a half till season, but I guess it'll be two and a half months until we go hunt it. So. It is what it I, is. My mind changes when. So th- there's a thing. There's this thing, and I, I other people that listen can probably agree with this. You have a pre-planning mind when mm-hmm. you're talking about hunting, and the first day that you can actually pick up your bow and go into the woods and sling at something, you're like, "I'll hunt when it's 98 degrees." There's still a. <laughs> there's still. <laughs> it can happen, bro. Because you were talking, you're like, "Man, I'm. Pr- you know, it's a 10 hour drive for me from like my house to to where we're hunting in Kansas." And the whole time you're like, I'm probably not going to go in September. And then I was like, so you're telling me if, if me and Carol load up and go, you're not going to go. And you're like, yeah, I probably would, you know, <laughs> Idiot, I did worse. And it's just like, yeah, I don't but, make good decisions when hunting season. As soon as you feel that, that like cool fall breeze, you're going to be like, I can make the drive. Yeah. It makes that whole year. I saving up all my vacation worth it. I'm like, yeah, I did the right thing once again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, we're about to get our mounts back. Yeah, we are. Finally got some pictures from the taxidermist. Got both of my mounts are done. Yours yours was done before mine. I think they did yours first. Yours was in the background as my first one was getting mounted. Oh, really? So yeah. so which I just got a picture of mine drying and so I had like the staples and that like stuff holding it in place. So I assume it's like done done now. We're just kind of waiting on the text message. Yeah. Uh, considering the fact that I'm going to send you $800 to pick it up, I I don't know. It's not going to change anything, but I just don't want to send that payment. I mean, gas and stuff. So, oh, is there is there there's shipping and handling? Yeah, mm. you're such a good friend. I know it. I know it. Bring it on. <laughs> well, no, I think that's the that's the extent of our update. We got got some cameras out in Oklahoma on private. Went to Kansas. Got some mounts coming back. It's it's a good. It's just enough to sustain me into deer season. Yeah. I can make it through. So let's talk about boots on the ground scouting a little bit. Anyways, we're going to be starting a new series on the podcast. I think it was going to be seven or eight weeks, and we're going to call it Public Land Hunting 101. And kind of the goal with the series is we're going to take you from start to finish of what it takes to hunt white-tailed deer on public land. A look into the other topics that we're going to discuss, and these aren't necessarily in any order but we're going to also, with hunting ethics, we're going to talk about map scouting, uh, finding a piece of land, and understanding regulations, boots on the ground scouting, trail camera strategy, and time for the hunt, what to expect, what to bring, those sort of things. So it's going to be a multi-week series, and we're going to hopefully cover all you guys need to know start to finish on how to hunt whitetail on public land. I think where we can start, I guess we can start with interpreting sign. I mean, 
I guess that's one of the biggest things people are probably coming to hear about, but I don't think we're going to spend much time talking about sign. If you guys want to know what a rub or a scrape or a trail looks like, that's something you can look up a picture of. There's or you can send us a DM after you give us a uh, five-star rating and a very good review. You can screenshot that, send it to us, asking us to do something, and then we'll do it. <laughs> yes, selfishly. No, I mean, you guys uh, you guys will naturally see those things while you're looking and, and scouting and walking in places. I mean, deer tracks are pretty easily identifiable. I think we wanted to talk about more so why it's so important. And I think a good place to start with that is the idea that we got three little points under why boots on the ground scouting is important. But I think the first one is the map doesn't tell the entire picture. And why, why is that Jake in your mind? The map doesn't tell the entire picture. You can get like a, like a 30,000 foot view, but it doesn't tell you much. Like it, it doesn't tell you what you need to know. And why does boots on the ground do that for you? So, I mean, like we said before in the other podcast about map scouting, like you can do all, all the map scouting you want, you know, have a satellite image and then have a uh, topo map side by side. And you can think, you know what, what it looks like, like, okay, you see this, this like little cliff right here. It looks like it has a bench on it. You go check it out. It might not be worth a dang, right? Like it might, might either be too thick or there might just not be any sign or, or, or whatever it is. But, uh, it's basically you're just trying to find an area to hunt, right? Like you're not trying to pick, pick out a tree from 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 the map scouting. So that's where boots on the ground comes in. But to act, to actually get on with your question, why is it right? Why is it important? Yeah. Why why doesn't the map tell the whole picture, and, and why is boots on the ground important? I mean, I mean, I guess I covered it. You just don't know what's there. To be absolutely short, I Thank you. I don't know what you're wanting me to tell. Thank you for the in-depth answer. No, I'm just kidding. I, I thought it was common sense, but you know, it is. Well, I think a lot of people think you can pick a tree with map scouting, or oh, this is the exact spot I'm going to sit. Like, t- like you're saying, I think that I think about it as a funnel. Like at the top of the funnel is the map scouting, right? And like you're getting mm-hmm. narrower and narrower and narrower. And when you step foot and you see all the nuances, like oh, this this actually has different elevation here, and they're actually using this path because this was burned last year then you can kind of get into the specifics and i believe that's the that's the value that that boots on the ground can give you versus a map i mean we're really just reiterating what we said about how the map doesn't tell you everything but it can tell you an area and that's when um and then boots on the ground kind of gives you the specific information of like where you can what tree to hunt exactly that's what i was literally about to say like to sum it all up map scouting will put you in the area and then boots on the ground will put you in the tree. That's about the way to put it, I feel. So we were listening to a different podcast. Is, is it Southern Ground Hunting? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, Southern Ground Hunting with uh, Parker McDonald. Was it Bobby? Bobby, Bobby Cunning- Worthington. Bobby Worthington. So yeah. he sounded like, oh, I'm not going to say a wealth of knowledge because I know that flusters you when yeah. I say it. Uh, but yeah. I think he had some, he, just paraphrasing here, but he had one quote where he said, if you aren't spending time on the property, you aren't learning much. And I think that has been our experience hunting, expect ex- hunting public land. Yeah. If you're not spending time, you're not learning crap. Like the well, map is not going to do much for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it kind of goes like hand in hand with season, right? Like you can't kill from the couch. I know that's another, another well-known thing, but like 
the the amount of time you spend in a tree during season, the the amount of time that that you have the better chance of killing a buck or a doe or whatever you're after, right? And I think that's the same when he goes to scouting. The amount of time you spend out there, the more trees and the more sign you're going to find and more areas to hunt and this, that, and the other that you can try out. But I, if – oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that it seems like every single time, every single time you go out there to hunt or to scout again, you're increasing your odds of finding not only like a really big buck, but more spots to hunt and, and possibly a better spot. And it's not like you're going to go from, Oh, I scouted it one time and you know, I got a 30% chance. And now I scouted it a second time. I got a 90% chance. It kind of seems like it compounds over time. Like I got a 25% chance of getting one. And you go again, you're like, all right, now I got a 30 and you go another weekend. You're like, got a 35. And mm-hmm. then you compound that year after year after year. And it's like, by the third year, you're like, I will get an opportunity. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just, Oh, what's up? fancy term you use like the amount of time you spend in the tree oh it's know. a game of it's a game of odds or something like that oh yeah i mean it is yeah i don't know what exactly which word you're talking about but yeah it is a, it's just a game of i don't know how i said it before it is a game of odds though that's what mm-hmm. you're trying to say right basically yeah it's the same thing with scouting like just just like we're sitting in the tree like I, I I really don't like going out and spending time when it's this Hell, summer is going to be triple digits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Usually it's like high nineties, and it's I don't want to even use the word. Fun. Yeah, I don't even want to use the word bearable when it's high nineties. But it compared to this year, it's going to be bearable. But going out there, and I feel like how many people did we see scouting in the summer? How many do you see? When None. There? None. One. Maybe. Maybe. But. Here's the thing about down there, like in Kansas, it was, it was, I think just as hot, right? Like, like high nineties, if not in the triple digits, that wasn't near as bad. And I'm not trying to like, like, Oh yeah, this is what we do. You know, I'm not trying to like gloat or anything, but if it's like in the nineties, even, even if it's low nineties and you're out there and where we hunt in, uh, in Southern Oklahoma, it's like, there's head of high grass. You got to walk through just to get like to this net to this next patch of trees. Right. And plus you're going up and down these little ridges and stuff like that. Like, I don't think it's like considered like as big as the big woods, but it still sucks. And you're in 90 degree heat and you barely get a breeze. And when you do get the breeze, it's through all that head high grass and all that stuff. You can't really see. And you got crap hitting you in the arms and stuff like that. It's just, it's miserable. It's, it's mentally draining and, and also physically draining obviously, but it's just, I don't know. It sucks, but it's it's not fun to do. And, but the thing is, it's like, we were out there and this is, I would not recommend this strategy, but we've done it like a couple summers, like running 20 trail cameras coming back every three weeks and changing those trail cameras. Yeah. We weren't just running cameras to run cameras. We were going and trying to find better spots with boots on the ground, scouting and change them based on that. And we spent three we before season on a single piece of public. We had spent nine days scouting. That's a lot. Yeah. Like full, like full days. When we're down there, it's not like you're spending one hour out there looking for. No, it's like a no, full day. An hour just to get to where you can park the truck. Yeah, I mean, literally, most of those days were were ten plus mile days. I think we had some twelve mile days of just going and looking. And half those times, you walk back there a mile, and you're like, "This sucks. I'm yeah. never gonna hunt it." And this, and I hate this. But it's one of yeah. those things. This year, we talked about just like not really going back to our 
original spots that we've hunted in the past because like i think everybody's like this to a certain extent like you hunt a spot especially on on public or something and especially if you're successful there you're like i want to go back to that spot i want to check out that spot but this year we're going to try to like veer away from there we're not going to really going to hang cameras i think we're going to hang cameras at your spot but that's like 300 yards from a truck or something like that and we planned on just making one big solid loop uh around this one area just to try to cover as much ground and you know if a spot's a waste okay well cool we got a spot 300 yards away that we're going to check out also so it's just like you know it is will it be a little bit more walking maybe but and in, in the long term it's like i think it'll be quicker it might be a little bit more walking but it'll be quicker i think it will be quicker too and i I think it's important to know that you need to be doing like ground scouting every single year because these places change. Like where we hunt, it's like the clear cuts are changing or the select cuts are growing up, you know, and a spot you could hunt last year looks like a freaking forest now. And you can't even, it's like impenetrable in your area of the woods, you know, Kansas, Missouri, maybe the Midwest, maybe it's the difference between, well, there was corn last year and now it's soybeans and that changes something. Or now it's just a, a hay field, you know, like that's the nuance. But every year things are going to, the one thing you can count on from year to year on public is it's going to be different. Like the pressure is going to be different. The the fields are going to be different. The plants are going to be di- like, just everything is going to be different. And you just, you can't know that unless you're spending time at the place, not yeah. on the map. Because you think about Onyx, like, look at the places on Onyx. The places I've hunted for the last three years, they look exactly the same. My lease still looked like it looked five years ago on yeah, the map. Yeah. You know? Then you walk in there, and it's 10-foot-tall grass, and you're like, well, this is bull crap. You know, what if that was a piece of public? It'd be a waste of time. Yeah, honestly. Honestly. Yeah, you just never know. That's, that's the thing. I think the key takeaway that I wanted to give the people um, about boots on the ground in this series is you kind of laughed at me when I read this to you earlier, but you can't read about doing pushups. Oh yeah. You have to do them to get the benefit. And I kind of feel like that is the correlation between map scouting and actually in person boots on the ground. Scouting It's like the map. It helps you understand what you're going to get access to, but it doesn't give you the benefit to the result that you're, that you're looking for. You want to kill a deer. Well, you can do all the map scouting you want, but until you put, I hate to be like one of those guys. It's like, you got to put the work in, man. But it's true. It's it's that simple in, in a lot of ways. And I mean, you don't have to just like, like go all out, right? Like what a lot of people do. And I think what, what we did for the most part, like, like previous years, just like find an area and then just go check it out every single time you're there. Instead of like checking out this area for like a couple hours, if you live close by, like let's say you live 30 minutes from an area, right? And you go check it out one evening, you know, instead of just spending 30 minutes in that area and then like, okay, I want to go check out this part of WMA, right? Spend a couple evenings and whether it be like a couple evenings, you know, up up till like a year, like you spend three evenings a year before season, you know, in that spot, that's fine. Just pick it out one piece at a time, right? Like there's no way, like where we hunt, it's tens of thousands of acres, right? There's no way in one summer, like no matter how bad you're going to want to learn that WMA, you're not going to be able to uh, figure it all out in one year. I don't even think you could figure out a thousand acres in a summer, like down there at least. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, take your time. I mean, it ain't, it ain't like it's a race or anything like that. You you know, 
just go walk through, look for sheds, you know, look for sign and then have a good time. And take that from, I feel like if there's one things we're experts on, it's lighting WMAs like up like a Christmas tree on, on X. Like yeah. I've got this, I've got this WMA we hunt. It looks every color of the rainbow. And even though it's got all these pins on it and we've spent years down there hunting, I feel like we still know very little about the property as a whole. We mm-hmm. know a lot about a few little areas, right? And we've hunted enough to say these areas suck and stuff like this is better, but we're still learning a ton about, about that place. And every year when we go down there to scout, if, if there's someone down in one of the spots, X that one off, you know, yeah. you wouldn't know that you wouldn't know that unless you're spending time. Well, there. It's just a domino effect because like once one person knows about it, let's say an out-of-stater drives by, they see a car parked there. Where do you think they're going to go? Close to there. Get as close as they can without messing that person up. Yeah. Yeah. And so like after someone's already there, it's just like, don't even bother. Don't even bother. So keep going, try to find another way. And like that, that's why your on X looks like a Christmas tree, right? Because like plan A, that's a no go. Let's go to plan B. Let's see if that's a no go. Yeah, Christian, I want to talk to Christian Shopshire. Um, he was talking about doing the boots on the ground scouting in <laughs> Iowa. He was on the podcast. He's a guy off TikTok, Shopshire Outdoors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's familiar, but I just can't put a finger on it. Yeah, no, he, he's a cool dude, but he was talking about the amount of time he spent scouting in Iowa. He's like, dude, I get obsessed with it. Like, I spent dozens yeah. of days out there. I think that's, like, like keyword, you kind of have to be obsessed with it, right? Because, like, I don't, like obviously not every day, but like for the most part, every time I talk to you, it's somewhat about hunting. It's like, oh man, so ready for hunting this, that, and the other. I think we should do this, this, that. Like you have to be obsessed with it. If you're not obsessed with it, then like it literally is a chore. It's a chore already to go scout, but like, especially in the summer, you're just going to absolutely hate it and you're probably not going to do it unless you're obsessed with it. Yeah. Well, and you, you got to think about it too. Um, if, if you and I were friends and we talked once every six months, we wouldn't be very good at friends. And right. I, I feel like it's the same way on, on public. Like if you want to have above average results, you have to be, spend more time out there than someone else. Like you're not going to learn the little nuances of a place and what makes this place a little different than the other by spending one day out there. Can we go out there and find one good spot if we scout a day? For sure. Yeah. One of our issues is we have more than one people to feed. And so we're constantly like looking for that volume of spots. Like, okay, we need at least six spots. Everybody needs one spot and a backup. And that mm-hmm. like leads to us like looking for a ton of different spots. And then out of those 12 spots we find, maybe only four of them are good and we still need two more. And yeah. It just like, it's a repetitive game of you're constantly looking for new spots. And I think one thing we have done a good job of is when we find a spot, that's good we kind of keep that one in in the bank account and go look for more we're always looking for more we're never like okay this is the spot we're gonna kill a deer if we would have stayed on that path well we did try to stay on that path last year in some ways and it doesn't work out very well if you just you're like this is my spot i'm gonna keep hunting it yeah or or even an area right because like last year carol had a great spot and then we started hunting and there ended up being eight people around them you know and so like he had a good spot, great area, but got to move. Yeah. And I'm I was guilty of it just as much as Carol was last year. Well, I, I was guilty of it too. I just didn't have anyone walk out on me. I had something I, that, that, I, that 
from what you were just saying, it, it made me think of something, and it was a good point, but I guess not because I forgot it. I'll think of it later. Well, gosh dang it. I know it. Yeah. Well, I mean, apart from learning how to avoid pressure, like you guys can learn to interpret signs somewhere else, but I, I mean, as simple as it, as it is, I, I really think it does. It does just come down to, to spending time out there. Like the amount of time you can spend out there. And I understand too, like I'm married. You, you have a serious relationship. We have obligations too. We can't go out there every single weekend. Now, if I was single, I'd be like, we're going down here every single weekend, but, we might only have a couple weekends a, a year or a summer to scout, but we try to maximize those opportunities in like three day blocks. Like we go down there and we'll spend two real days mm-hmm. scouting. And that's what I'm saying. Like it can be time. I might get, well, I might get 20 hours of scouting in, in a single weekend where, well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I think whether or not, whether you put the time in up front when you're scouting or whether you're just trying to put the time in when you're in the stand, I think ultimately you're going to put in the same amount of time, if not more, right? Like, like you're thinking, okay, well, you know, it's one thing if you got to do your honeydews, you know, during the summertime, you know, so she'll allow you to hunt or whatever. I'm not saying like, like that in a bad way, but it's just like, if you don't scout, to, to like, like maybe like lessen your time out there, well, more than likely, you're just going to be scouting while you're hunting, right? Or you're not going to tag out as fast. And so you're going to be hunting more in, let's say a bad spot or, or just like might not be a bad spot or it just might not heat up till like late October or late November or something like that, or, or not late October, late November. And uh, so like ultimately you'll be sitting in that area and probably burn it out if you only have one area, right? Because like, let's say you go, you're excited about hunting, you go hunt, all October there, every chance you get. So let's say you get a, you get to get one hunt per weekend or maybe two hunts per weekend, right? You go there October, second week of October, third week of October, this, that, and the other. Well, you're spending a lot of time in there, right? And and you're like, I killed one in here last year. I know it's going to be good. Well, you're in there all of October, and, and it was a good spot, but you're in there so often, this, that, and the other, instead of, you know, all these other spots where you could probably be, be like shooting them during like the early season or something like that. But what I'm ultimately trying to say is whether you scout or not, you're going to be in the stand just as long, if not longer. You're going to be looking for spots one way or yeah, the other. Exactly. Exactly. Whether it's before the season or after or yeah. during. Exactly. Yep. And I because like looking for mine. Could, and that spot might not turn out. And then you're just like, well, I got to go find a new spot now. Or maybe you show up. Someone's already in that area. And it's just like, well, what do I do now? you're back to, you know, ground zero, right? You got to restart, do all that stuff. And it's better to do that before the season. That way you get more efficient out there. And then that way you're only, you know, might only be gone for three days on your week long trip and be tagged out and your wife's happy. So I, I hate to say it this way. Cause it seems like I'm feeling like the rock or like an inspirational speaker, but it really is like the, if you think about it, like scout hard, hunt easy. Like when we're hunting, the hunt's stressful enough. It's already like it, when we go hunting, I feel like we're not scouting. We're, we're, we're just going to execute on what we've already found mm-hmm. instead of, instead of being like, okay, let me put my stand on my back and I'm going to go look for a new spot and this and that. Well, it's already hard enough to kill a deer with a bow on public land. 
when you do have the perfect tree, you know, well, when you do have the perfect spot. I've been there and I'm sure you've been there where you go into an area, right? And like, 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 even if you've checked it out before and you're just like, man, I'm not really confident on this spot. Well, let's say you hike all the way in there. You're sweating your balls off. You get set up in the tree and you're just like, I don't like this spot. I'm not confident in this spot. Like that feeling sucks. And then you got to sit there for maybe the next two, three, four hours. And you're just like, I'm hating every minute of this. Like, I'm not going to see a damn thing. Right. And so like, if I can get rid of that feeling by itself, I'm ahead of the game. And that comes with going in boots on the ground and, and hanging those trail cameras. We, we talk about it all the time, but we, we constantly, I'm me, you guys might not, but I am all the time. Like when I'm in a tree stand and it's sucking, I'll pull out those pictures on my phone, but this buck was here. <laughs> this buck was here. This yeah. buck was here. Now he wasn't here recently, but I know at some point in time, this was an area where he was like, I like this. I want to be here. Those antlers together as hard as you can. Maybe he'll run in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. You're going to be, you can put in the work beforehand or you can put it in during. And I like to put it in beforehand. Cause it, yeah. it, it only gets harder during cause now you're looking for a spot and you're like, Oh, well there's a freaking, there's a guy there or there's a truck in the spot. I wanted to check out. Well, I like having, I think about it as like ammunition in your gun. I want to have seven bullets in that clip mother. Like while I'm going in, instead of going in and be like, all right, I'm going to walk around and try to find some bullets. You know, no, I'm, I want them in the clip as I'm going out. Yeah. Which I mean, I think we're, we're like half and half in it. Right. Like, like because because i think we're all kind of to that point as well too like but we want to try to jump around and like see if we can like go to a new area find sign and possibly set up on it right but like we have and what we're doing in early august is well i guess hell that's just next month but uh we're going to have spots in those areas right but we're also going to try to jump around and just kind of see what we can do with that too like, cause like to completely 360 it, like, or I guess 180 it, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with going and checking out a new spot and finding sign and hunting it because like, like Cooper, that's what he does. And he's dang good at it. He, he drags out one thirties, one forty eights almost every single year. And like, and like granted he sets up cameras and, and does all that stuff. So I guess there ain't really no way of telling like, like, which way he did that. But then again, I bet like, a lot of, I bet a lot of his learnings are from the time he has spent down there. That's the point. True. True. And, but I think that's what gives him the ability also to be able to go to a new spot, check it out, find sign and set up. Right. Because the time he spent hanging cameras and finding sign, well, let's say there's a big old track and there's like, like a scrape or something. And you're like, I think that's what it is. And I think this might be a big buck sign, right? You hang up a camera that camera gives you confirmation, right? So therefore when you know, and, and and then like the next year or something like that, you walk into a new area that has that similar sign. You can, I, I feel like it'll give you a better understanding of, okay, this is what this other spot looked like. This is what was in there. So this could very well replicate the same results. And so I, I feel like that's why he is so good at what he does, jump around, finding new spots and being successful is because he's put in that time boots on the ground and, he learned from that. I agree. And I, I, I feel like I've seen it from us too on the, we used to spend a lot of times like looking for the perfect tree or the perfect trail to hang our trail camera. And now we're like, no, this is, this is good. This still, has worked. And you still, still do that. I don't. I'm like, this looks good. 
I'll literally like like stand even if I have a tree marked out that from like from like when when we went and scouted, and that's what we always do on boots on the ground. Friendly tip. I know I said this in the last video, but when you go to boots on the ground and you go to hang your camera, don't just hang your camera and mark where your camera is. Mark a tree you're wanting to sit at in that area because let's say you, like you plan on checking it like a little bit before season starts. Life happens, gets in the way. You can't check it until you go hunt it. Right? Have a tree picked out. <laughs> That's my tip of the day. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome, dude. I uh, so right before we got on the the podcast, I posted the a TikTok video about the po like podcast questions. Mm -hmm. uh, we usually takes like several days to to get a bunch of questions, but we already have seven comments on Ooh. what people want to see. Yes, six is the four time offender. Shout out, Alan Jones. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he's on there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> come on, Chad. I love it. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can wrap up boots on the ground. We we really were just talking about why it's important. If you guys want to hear more in depth about you know finding water or or rubs or scrapes or trails or any other sort of sign and how we kind of interpret that while we're there, just shoot us a message on on TikTok or Insta or something like that, and we can maybe do a more in depth episode about interpreting sign or looking for it. But today we just wanted to talk about why boots on the ground is so important. I think it's the most important thing besides hunting. Besides going out there, this is this is the I think this is where you're gonna determine if you're killing a big buck this year or or not. Maybe. Maybe you get lucky. Who knows? But this is where I feel like I'm I'm paying my insurance. This is where I'm paying six months worth of premiums is yeah. during boots on the ground ground in the summer. Agreed. Anything else you want to add on that? Like chick? it. Like it. No, I, I think you covered it. So let's just give them a little, a little tidbit right here. When your boots on the ground, what is the three things you're looking for? I don't even know the answer to this right now. So like, that's why I asked you first so I could think on it. Well, it's the same thing. What's the I'm, first thing you're looking for, right? Boots on the ground. I'm looking for, mm -hmm. I, I'm looking for sign or yeah. yeah, sign. So I'm looking for rubs, scrapes, just tracks in general are a really good one. And a lot of the times where we hunt, it's not any of those things and it could just be trails or so, beds. Are you setting up over a scrape or, 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 or a rub or anything like that? I'll hang a camera by one. You hang a camera. Yeah. We let a camera do a lot of the sightings. So even with boots on the ground, I'm still just trying to, like I said, that funnel, I'm just trying to narrow it down, down more. Like now I've got an area. Now I've got a smaller area. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a couple acres that I'm hanging a couple ham cameras when before I was in a 50 acre block. Now I'm down in a two acre block. And now when I go out there and I hunt and I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm 60 yards out of the game. You know, they're at a hundred yards. Then I make that other adjustment when I'm out there hunting. So I'm just looking at, you know, sign and just trying to get close to deer sign is just telling me where has a deer been? Well, I want to be where they are. So yeah. I'm just hoping they come back there. So I'm just setting up near sign. That's all I'm looking for is sign. You nailed it. Yep. You nailed it. Cool. All right. So we're going into Q and a segment. We'll take probably three or four questions and then we'll, uh, wrap the episode. questions. What do you mean? Well, we'll take, we'll take as many questions as we can before we got to go. We'll okay. just see how long, how many that is. Oh, you gotta go. No, but we might go for 40 minutes on one question. Who knows? That's true. That's true. Okay. So if we don't answer your question that you will get it, we'll get it next week. But if you guys want to get a question answered like this, you got to go to the hunters event or hunters advantage on TikTok and look for that weekly video that we post to get your questions answered. So let's start with 
even though Chad Allen Jones was another repeat offender, we'll start with someone else since people are so used to hearing his name. Uh, the underscore Corey Smith. This is the guy that wears the Oakleys oh, yeah. all the time. Uh, yeah, he's a beast. Um, he asks, what's the best sleeper states for big whitetails? Not Oklahoma. That's when he, when I saw this question, I was like, damn you, bro. Loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He wanted, he, he wanted to hear it, but I'm not, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction, Corey. Not Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma. I would say I've heard great things about Missouri, right? Like, like, and, and there might be people that be like, oh, Missouri in a sleeper state, you know, there's tanks killed there every year. But like, for me personally, I always thought Missouri was just like, no bueno, right? And then recently, and it's probably because of TikTok, I've realized that Missouri's actually pretty dang deary. So I don't know. What do you think? If I had to pick one, when I say sleeper state, I'm thinking of something easy and over the counter. That's right. going to have to be for me. Um, so if I say a state that I want someone to be able to go to and possibly have success and it be affordable and over the counter, I'd, I'd probably say Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. I think you can have good success in Nebraska, whether it's Southeast Nebraska for whitetail, do not go to Northwest for muleys. It sucks. Just giving you, you guys a tip right there. But for, for whitetail, I really do think if you went there and spent some time, you could, you could kill a really big buck. It's, it's right in that golden triangle of Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, but it doesn't get all the cred that those states get. That's a good one. Yeah. Not Oklahoma. Not Oklahoma. Nope. That place sucks. It's, it it, it kind of does. Yes. It sucks so bad. Um, Huntworks, question number two. Huntworks, this is kind of a funny one. He said, here's a good question. Huntworks, I, I was ready for it. Yeah. He said, here's a good question. When am I coming on the podcast? And then he replied to himself and said, I can teach people how to be unlucky. <laughs> I like it. Uh, shoot, what do you want to talk about? Any, any, we he he's from Missouri. Oh, he is from Missouri. Okay, okay. Well, we can talk about like he always does like those the spotlighting uh, TikTok. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be talking about that. You know, get him and Charles Beatty on here, here on the same pod. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. but on the real, we dude, we can get on whenever you want to. Whenever we start yeah. doing these podcasts again regularly. We can we can get you on in like this summer for sure. Maybe next, maybe like this month. I'm down whenever. Um, whenever, fun. man. So, uh, Chase question number three comes from Chase Burke two one five four. He said, "What is the best thing to look for on a map when trying a new piece of public?" We talked about this a lot before you give your answer. We talked about this a lot in our previous podcast about map scouting that's like probably a 30 minute deep dive of kind of what we look for yeah. on a new piece of public but I'll, I'll check your... that out, but just keep it simple i look for water right and creeks or rivers or whatever more than more than like regular water holes like ponds or something like that but that's that's my main go-to is sticking around water and then from water you just try, try to throw in like as many types of different diversities you can like, okay, water and let's say it oxbows and let's say, you know, there's like a clear cut next to a pine thicket. Like that's, yeah, that's kind of water. And then as much diversity as possible. If I had to pick one thing, I would say diversity, but if I had to break that down even further, I'd say an edge, some yeah. sort of edge, whether that's a, a cornfield to some thick timber or that's a, just some native grasses where they come into a select cut or a clear cut. I'm just looking for edges 
I mean, deer are creatures of edge and any sort of public land you're going to look at is going to be, have edges. And if it's just fields, I probably wouldn't hunt it anyways. So look for another piece. I don't know. I'm going I'm to be hunting fields this year in Kansas. Who It depends if there's a big one laying down out there. <laughs> yeah, dude, if there's a big one laying down, I'll be like, all right, I'm going to break out little Timothy, which that might be the name of the new decoy or the old decoy. I might be breaking him out with no legs, just kind of see if you can go two for two. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's funny. Uh, So question number four, TC outdoors five says, what is the best way to sight in a new bow? I assume he's thinking he's talking about like a three pin or a five pin. Okay. Okay. Well, depending on what type of sight it is, let's say it's like the most complex one, right? Like, let's say it's like a, Oh, what do you call those? The ones with the wheels? Uh, Adjustable, yeah. Yeah, the adjustable sides. Best way to do that is craft you a cold one because you're going to be there a while. I agree. Yeah. Practically, the way I would would give you a couple tips would be, number one is chase the arrow. So you have have your vertical axis and you have your horizontal axis, and that's going to determine your up and down and your left and right. So first off, I'd probably get my my left and right so if i shoot at the middle i'm always going to shoot at the middle of the target pick a dot if you don't take you two pieces of tape cross them like a like a cross so do that and if you're you want you want to add something oh, i was, I was going to try to wait until after you well but what i was going to say first off is use the same release and make sure your form is 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 on like like granted i'm not i'm not the, like the end all be all when it comes to form because from what people on YouTube say, my form sucks. So, uh, which I don't care, get your form down where you're consistent. And then I'd say, follow your arrow because like, if you're not consistent with your form, with your anchor points, all that good stuff, then your arrow is not going to be consistent. And it might not even be because of the site itself. It might be a uh, user error. So that's fair. Um, but breaking it down even further. So let's say you're aiming at the middle of the target and you shoot six inches to the right. Well, what we mean by follow your arrow is you're going to take that adjustment on your site and you're going to move your housing to the right. Now, how much that is, is that that two little line dashes or or more? I have no idea. You're just going to have to experiment with your site. Every site is different. So let's say you get your left and right. So you shot six inches to the right and you fixed it. You moved the site to the right. Well, now, now your left and right is right. And you shoot in the middle. It's perfect. Okay, cool. But you're shooting in the middle of the target. Good left and right, but you're eight inches high. Okay, well, you're going to follow your arrow. You're going to take your site housing and move that up as well and just keep following that arrow. And then you'll find the spacing between your pins just by shooting and being like, okay, my second pin is, you know, five inches low at 30. Okay, we'll move that pin a little bit lower. It's a lot of micro adjusting and it can be tedious. Just like Jake said, if you're going to take the time to sight in your bow, I'd say shoot it for a while and get it close. Don't and just know that over the next month, you're going to be doing a lot of little micro adjustments yeah. as you're fixing your form and you're getting back into stride. At least in my site, I have a uh, three pin fast steady XL from spot hog. And it took me, I don't want to say it took me like a couple weeks, but it, but it, I mean, it kind of did because like you go out there, you shoot. And then me, I was used to like a 53 pound bow or something like that. Just an old bow that like a whole hand-me-down bow. And, I max that thing out on 74 pounds. Well, after a while, especially when you're first shooting it, you're not going to be like that consistent, right? Because like whether you want to admit it, you're not admit it or not, you're going to get fatigued, all this stuff. So like 
go out there, shoot you a couple, fix what needs to be fixed. And as soon as you start like feeling yourself get fatigued, go in, crack you a cold one, get some lemonade, do something. And then once you feel a little bit better, go back out there, shoot again. Because that and also what I would say is make sure your arrow setup is like like in tune with your bow, right? Because and what I mean by that is like like the weight of the arrow or what happened that one time when I tried to shoot uh side spine. You're looking I made a video about this that's in our TikTok drafts right now. I uh I was shooting an arrow that was five hundred spine. Yeah, it was like for for like youth hunters, right? And I don't even know if it like if you consider it a hunting arrow, but uh, yeah, I would shoot, and it was the weirdest thing because like I didn't change nothing. I thought I got the same length, and like me being just I guess inexperienced, I was like it's the same length, so I don't know why it's not like like working, right? Like it's the same same practice tips and everything like that. But I just got me like like a new set of arrows. Well, it was the I guess five hundred spine. I would shoot. And then one arrow would go like top left. So I'd follow the arrow. I'd shoot and it'd still either be top left or like it'd be like completely just erratical. Like, right. And uh, come to find out, I took it to a bow shop. First, I took my bow to, my, to a bow shop. And they're like, yeah, dude, I don't know what's wrong with this. You can try to change the string. Trying to get that money. And uh, and, and I was like, no. I, I said, I don't, I don't know what it is. And so he... He didn't say anything about the arrows, and I went and took it to the shop that I still go to now. Or no, no, it wasn't the same shop. But I took it to another shop, and the first thing he said before he even looked at my bow, he's like, "Let me see your arrows." And sure enough, brought him the arrows. He's like, "Dude, this is like the lightest arrow possible." And he said, "This is your problem." And I was like, "Okay," and got good arrows, fixed it. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's how you fix that problem. I literally, it's funny because I have a TikTok in our drafts right now about Aerospine, and I tell that story in the TikTok. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's the most relevant story that I have about it that. It is talk. because, like, it made me so mad because, like, again, I, I think I was, like, in college still. I think we were still, like, oh, no, Mike, we lived in Mike Wilson's house. Yeah. And uh, I thought, like, because me, my nickname used to be, like, AT&T, right? Because, like, my quiver would be, like, raising the raising bar. Raising the bar. <laughs> Like I would have just every sort of whichever like I No, no. We used to call your was it? Do what? We used to call your quiver miscellaneous. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean that's just what I did. Like I just found an old arrow and I was like, I'm using it because I only have three arrows. And like like I said, I was in college, I was cheap. Like I was giving plasma and stuff. <laughs> and, and and so like as soon as I bought those arrows, I think I spent like it was less than fifty bucks on like like six arrows, right? And like very first shot. And I remember this because I, I was at my mom's and I was shooting in the uh, like this little square bell or something like that. Way over the target and it goes in a neighbor's pasture. He has a hay meadow. Wasn't fine to that. And I was so upset because I was like, I just bought these arrows, you know. I don't have money to replace them, this, that, and the other. So I was getting so upset. So, yeah, that's a good way to to uh, help your uh, sailor talk. Yeah, you'll see a video about this in depth okay. tomorrow. Nice. Okay, so... One of the guys just commented native habitats in all caps. I don't know what that means. Native pets. So, yeah. We're going to skip that one. That could be native Americans. That could be deer. I don't know what that means. So we're going to skip to dude. dude this guy to be in prison as much as he's a repeat offender. Oh, to, do what? Is it that guy? There's a dude. He's like, Oh, poacher for life. No, it's not that guy. 
His name's like Bobcat something, and every single video, he's like, Poetry for Life, and he's just like, okay. He, he doesn't have a profile picture. Yeah. I noticed that most of the people that leave us heckling comments don't have profile pictures, just like uh, the woodsman today that left a comment on YouTube. Question five from Chad Allen Jones, five. He says, best strategies for hunting high-pressure public land. Don't. What do you got for Chad? Don't. My first don't. advice would be don't. Find a lease. Get an extra job. <laughs> Literally. I think I went first on all these. Why don't you take this one? So I've been, I looked at some research about this on the National Deer Association's website, and they did some studies in Georgia on public land, and I think they used GPS monitoring for 100 different hunters on this WMA. Damn, they pretty, do what? I said, you came prepared with this answer. No, I didn't. I just thought about, about it, uh, but... Uh, you're, you're spitting straight facts. You're like, and I was like, oh, yeah, no. But <laughs> what they found, what they found was that on this WMA, and I think it was around ten thousand acres, they found that I think seventy or thirty percent of the land took most of the hunting pressure, and there was a a oh. wide, wide swath of the land. I think the majority of the land that had little to no hunting pressure. So when you say that there's heavily pressured hunted or public land, unless there's hundreds and hundreds of people attacking this environment, there is places on that WMA or that piece of public where deer are going to be safe and they're going to feel um, like they're not being hunted per se. And so you just have to really find those places. And I don't think those places have to be a thousand yards or a mile off the road there's just going to be places that people, whether it's because of the terrain, whether it goes up and down, up and down, and people don't want to track over that, or it's just a crappy walk, or it doesn't look like anything on the map. There is going to be places on that WMA that have little to no pressure. And I believe that even on the most hunted WMAs. And so you just have to find those places. And like we just talked about this entire episode about boots on the ground, you're probably not going to find those on the map. You're going to find those by hunting. So what you just said reminded me of something that would uh, go back into boots on the ground. Uh, I was listening to this podcast. I think it's on the same podcast that, that uh, Southern ground hunting. If y'all haven't looked at it, look at it. And I don't know if I said Brandon McDonald or Parker McDonald, but it is Parker McDonald and go check out that like, like those three uh, episodes. It's like a series, but I, I'm pretty sure it was in there is where I heard it. Uh, the dude said that 5% of hunters kill 90% of the deer on a piece of property. So public, uh, I mean, that's where he normally hunts is public that Bobby Worthington guy. So I, I assume that's what he's talking about, but 5% of hunters kill 90% of the deer. So think about that for a second, right? So like, if you like the more time you spend on, on, on boots on the ground, actually, how many people are going to map scout? I don't want to say religiously, but map scout hard, do a lot of boots on the ground work, run trail cameras, this, that, and the other Not what, many. What, 5%. Very few. So, and that gives them the most odds. So, I mean, I can see where he's coming from, whether those numbers are like, like correct or not, but I'd say it's pretty dang close. Right. And, but, but it makes sense. And it kind of, kind of falls from where you're saying, right? Like, like the deer are going to be in these certain areas. Well, I bet you that 5% knows that. And so they're not going to know. And those other people don't know that because they don't put the boots on the ground. They don't put in the other, other work. And so in result, that 5% is going to kill more deer. And so, I mean, it all, it all, it all lines up. It all goes hand in hand. That makes sense though, too, because we've kind of did some analysis on the harvest data on some of the WMAs that we hunt. 
And since we know a good amount of people that hunt in the same places that we do, we know who's killed what bucks. And I think out of the, you know, there was 30 something bucks or just something like 30 something killed. We, we could account for like 10 of those on our hands, like in people in our immediate group who had killed those deer. And that was just maybe a handful of people. And so out of the entirety of the WMA, we knew where 33% of those deer had been killed or the people. Oh yeah. Yeah. That is pretty cool. To think about and it. And so we knew that there was probably over a hundred people that hunted in there over the course of the season, at least 70, 50 to 75 in that first week in November. So to say out of all the deer that were hunted out of hundreds and hundreds of sits, probably thousands of sits combined, we knew where like a good amount of those deer have been killed. And so you think about that and what is the commonality between all of those people? All those people are the guys that scout. They spend yeah. time down there. They hunt the most. They hunt when it sucks. So I just think, I don't think that's a coincidence. No. Yeah, I agree. That, that's kind of crazy to think about. Like boom, just blew the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions we got. Okay, nice. That's all the questions we got. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Public Land 101 uh, miniseries. I'm trying to think. I think we have one or two more episodes. I'll figure that out later. But, We're talking uh, about or anything like that? I believe so. I think we have two more episodes of the miniseries, so we'll keep it going for you guys. Keep submitting questions. Leave us a rating and review. Go subscribe and to the YouTube. There was uh, someone that reached out to us about the, the 101 series. So, and we appreciate that because I think you've seen it first. You screenshot it and sent it to me. We love that crap. We love getting that, that feedback because it makes us feel like we're not just talking to each other the whole time. We're actually talking to someone who wants to hear SBS. Absolutely. So keep it up. Keep interacting with us. And uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. See you on the next one. Thank you guys so much for checking out the Hunter's Advantage podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.